This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. I'm Sean Drotar, Sandy Clough on my left. It's Wednesday already, so congratulations. You're, right. You're halfway through the week. That's always a good sign, right? Because, boy, does this week have some fun in store when you're talking about football, including the, I guess, uh, soft reboot, if you will, of the Rocky Mountain Showdown. They are calling it the uh, Rocky Mountain Showdown, Sandy. And even though it has been one-sided over the course of its entire history, 67, 22, and two in favor of the Buffs. The Buffs have went five in a row, but during its peak, when these teams were both top 25 ranked or close to it, oddly, we went through it yesterday, four straight years, the ranked team, which three of the times was the Buffs, one of the times was the Rams, lost. So this still has a lot of, of meaning to it, even though where it stands right now, where these two teams are, uh, on paper, it looks like a blowout in the making. Well, the point spread at the moment is more than three touchdowns. Yeah. Or if you count two point conversions, maybe a little under three touchdowns. (laughs) It's somewhere between 21 and 24 points. uh, The point I'm trying to make and, uh, you know, C issues clearly, in the midst of a rebuilding year and we'll develop this point maybe more completely in about 20 minutes, Sean, but hasn't Deion Sanders already proven his point almost regardless of what happens from here. Now I absent a total collapse, right? Finished two and 10, three and nine, which would constitute a total collapse. Yes. Four and eight would be disappointing. Five and seven would be discouraging. Six and six to me would be fine. Yeah, I still think six and six is get them in a bowl game is fine. I I think that's important too that, that you take a look at it and say, okay, what is it that you're you're looking for and feel that it has to be X and and I understand that when you start out the way you start out and you're ranked 18th in the country, people are now thinking that oh wow okay that uh, you know it's on they're going to be championship contenders. Right away, they're they're not. There are only four championship contenders and the four teams that end up in the college football playoff. Right. Right? And out of those four that eventually will make up the college football playoff for this year, what are there, eight, nine, ten at the most, who have a shot at being one of those four teams? And I may be exaggerating that. It, It might only be six, seven, or maybe eight. Maybe eight. Probably, now that I think about it a little more, it's probably eight on the outside. I I know teams with one loss aren't necessarily out of contention, but they basically have to run the table from here. I'm thinking of Alabama as, as the perfect example. Alabama was overranked at the beginning of the year when they ranked in the top four. Yeah. They're overranked. Reputation. And more than yes, anything. it was a reputation rank. And now that they're 10th, 11th, whatever they are, they, they basically have no shot. Texas has a shot. Mm-hmm. Without beating Alabama, Texas would be among the also-rans. Now that Texas has beaten Alabama, previously a top-four team, Texas is in the mix. Georgia, Michigan, Texas, 
Am I leaving out anybody terribly obvious, or do you throw a blanket over the? I, the I think you more or less throw a blanket over the rest. Of it. And, I mean, and then realistically, five, yes. six, maybe seven other teams that could get into that fourth spot if things break right. Uh, USC, mm-hmm. one of those teams. Look, uh, there are teams that could run the table, yeah. but that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. So the fact to me, and this is like uh, the deal a few weeks ago that we talked about before the opener, when uh, the Athletic did a 1 through 133 college football ranking for FBS schools. And CU finished last year at 133 at last, as you pointed out. And when we talked about CU being 84th, there was a little bit of a reaction. They should be higher than that. That's almost 50 spots up. That's 49 points up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 49 spots up good, from good progress. Last year, that's that's a that's a big jump. That's a huge jump. Well, obviously, through their first two games, they seem to be better than the 84th best team in FBS. Uh, to the point where instead of having a point zero 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 one percent chance at the college football playoff according to simulations conducted by the athletic out today colorado is a point zero six percent chance of being in the college football playoff point zero six it should be better than that it was point zero 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 one percent. One percent chance to be in the college two football weeks play- ago. Yeah, I and now it's point zero six percent. I don't. That's hate a it. huge jump. That's a huge jump. And to get in there, they'd have to beat all but one. You could not have maybe. more than one loss. Maybe two, but it, it. I think you have to. You'd have to have one loss. To me, that's it. Okay. Could you envision a season? I'll ask you this: in which Colorado two and zero goes eight and. The, the rest of the way. Year. Could I envision it? Yeah. So they finished 10 and 2. But I have a really tough time with that. I, I suppose it's too. possible, but because I have a really I tough have time with that. I have at Oregon as an almost certain loss. And I have at Utah an almost certain loss. Those are two teams that, as highly as the Buffs are now ranked, are ranked ahead of Colorado. Right. So is USC. Yeah. I still and that's think. That's in Boulder, but USC's top five team. It's. It, it's in Boulder, but I still think it's USC will be maybe even a double-digit favorite in that game, unless CU went to Oregon and won. So, it, to me, eight and four is still the ceiling. Eight and four would be tremendous, wins. and you know, tremendous. They, they were favored in one of the two games, although they were underdogs two weeks ago in both. They have six ranked teams games. left on their schedule. They, they, there are seven teams ranked in the top 23 
from the Pac-12. Yeah. All right. More than half the Pac-12 is ranked in the top 25. Colorado is sixth among those seven teams. There are five Pac-12 teams currently ranked ahead of Colorado. So when Rick Perea came on Monday, and I disagree mildly with my good friend, Dr. Rick Perea, on this, but his point was, let's put on the brakes, and he cited scientific slash psychological reasons for that. Right. But he also is referring to the fact that Colorado still plays a bunch of ranked teams. And as of now, TCU is not ranked. And Nebraska has never at any point preseason after week one, after week two, come close to being ranked among the top 25. There will be more difficult opposition in most of their Pac-12 games. And I'm going to give you one, one minor correction, actually, because in the rankings from AP, eight teams. All right, UCLA's ranked 24th. Oh, all right. Eight. Well, then, three quarters of the Pac-12 the is writers, in the top 25. The writers have a third of the teams in the top 24. Yeah. From the Pac-10 ranked. That's 75% of the conference is ranked. I mean, I mean, what, what do you do with that? Including the two teams that, that don't have, have a conference in the future. Yeah, have not yeah, been. And, oh, away by the way, the at Buffs 13, have to Oregon, play at UCLA. Yeah, at 13, Oregon, home yeah. against Southern Cal, they're five. At yeah. 24, UCLA, home against number 16, Oregon State. Okay. At 23, Washington State. At 12, Utah, as it stands right now. Right. They have and they're six at UCLA games at remaining. Tw- at 24, UCLA. Yes. That's a road game. That's not a home game. They have game. six games remaining against ranked teams. Yikes. And a good many of them on the road. Yeah. Right? Yes. I mean, they get USC at home. Oregon, UCLA, and Washington, Washington State, and Utah. They get Oregon State at home? Oregon State at home. Those are the yeah. two. And those, those are the only two. The rest of them are on the road. The rest of them are on the road. Four out of six. Of the ranked uh, games. Uh, right. Games. Four out of the six are on the road. Well, UCLA's on the road. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Just Including, by the way, finishing those back-to-back road games against I, ranked I, opponents. I, I, I understand. Yeah. I'm just saying. I, I'm excited, too. I think it's the hottest ticket in town right now. Whether CSU is the opponent on Saturday night, USC, heck, homecoming against Stanford, from what oh, I yeah. hear, is a sellout as of now. It is. Stanford. Even CU prior to the season with all the doubts was considered a better team than Stanford. That Stanford game, by the way, another national game. That'll be another nationally broadcast game on ESPN. Well, they're going to look at any games that sell out here. Listen. As it stands, ratings, six of their 12 games will the be national. Ratings assuming more get picked up. Nebraska at CU were virtually identical. 10 a.m. Mountain Time start. Noontime Eastern start. Ratings virtually identical to Texas at Alabama at Bryant-Denny Stadium. 100,000 strong, almost twice the capacity of Folsom Field. Night game, two ranked teams who played a great game last year at Texas and got no appreciably better ratings as a night game 
than CU got playing in the morning or noon Eastern time at the latest, that the ratings were indistinguishable from one another. I said 10 million would watch Nebraska CU. Well over 8 million watched, so I was off. It just under 9 million viewers. On Fox. Yeah. It is crazy. The, 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 the interest in this team is, is an all-time high. And it's kind of funny because Deion Sanders was asked about the Rocky Mountain Showdown, which this is a new version of it. Now, one-sided though it may be, uh, Deion, who's, let's say, had to dive into the culture of Colorado football with, with both feet while reinventing it on the fly. <laughs> let's just say that, that even he understands there are limits to how much he can absorb. You got to give me one at a time. Now, you just got me all hyped up about the Nebraska thing. You just bombarded me about that, right? And that's tradition. That was tremendous tradition. Now you wanted me to understand about the Rocky Mountain Showdown. So you got to give me some 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 verbiage or some, you know, some literature on something, you know, just to brief me. But trust me, um, this, is, this isn't my first rodeo when it comes to that. I, I, I think the Balkans and the Saints were quite – a showdown as well as playing against the 49ers as well as the Cowboys 49ers I can keep going Cowboys Philly you know Cowboys whoever was always during showdown uh, baseball as well so it's always some type of adversity that you have against uh, someone in close proximity of you yeah I had two divorces which was a heck of a showdowns too <laughs> so don't tell me about a showdown uh, you gotta give me <laughs> I, you know what you got to give him credit. The last line. Yeah, you just have to give him credit. And, you know, he he's not uncharacteristically, but actually quite characteristically candid and saying, you know, I'm not altogether up to speed on the history on some of these deals. Right. Including Nebraska. So if I wasn't really keen on that rivalry, not knowing all that much about the history, don't expect me to be able to sit here and yeah speaking you know detail. talk about the, the you, legend Steve of Fairchild, Bradley as you mentioned and Steve Fairchild right. and Sonny Lubick versus Gary Barnett uh, I I doubt Sonny Lubick and Dion have ever met and Gary Barnett has met Dion only because he's the radio right, analyst right. on the Colorado broadcast on Learfield so Listen, that, 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 Sean Keeler's column today, uh, Van Pelt on Buffs Prime and Why Rams Can Shock the World is a great read for people who are familiar with the history of this rivalry and the breakthroughs that CSU made during one four-year stretch in which CSU won three times against Colorado. But since that run, it's basically with maybe one exception, uh, one or two, I guess, been a series head-to-head dominated by CU. Uh, CSU's best chance in this game is that Colorado's looking ahead to Oregon yeah. and maybe even to USC. And there's a chance that could happen. I think there's a and, chance and that's And that possible. might squeeze the score below the three touchdown a gap, gap of three touchdowns. I say that maybe because you've got a freshman, albeit a redshirt freshman, set to start a quarterback for CSU. Um, neither of us are sure that this is quite the week to be giving. 
this freshman yeah. his first collegiate start. start. That's a that's a rough it's one. A National tough TV, tough environment on the road. Uh, keep in mind, it's you know how many places are going to be there. It is it is not just uh, ESPN that the game's broadcast on, but it's also going to be on uh, Fox Big Noon kickoff again, despite the fact it's not even on Fox Who and it's nowhere that? near noon. Does Fox kickoff is at eight o'clock at night? Put their game day or pre-game Where, on show the game they're on the game they're airing on an ESPN game. No, no, it's on the game they're airing. It may, it may be unprecedented, and vice versa. That game day, uh, I don't believe, has ever been at a site in which Fox is telecasting the game. It it certainly doesn't happen often, at least when you're not talking about championship caliber games, right? And this is why I I say to those who, uh, you know, if Deion Sanders, uh, you know, goes to a bowl game this year or they win eight games and they go to a better bowl game, than they would if they won six. Oh, this will set every college downtrodden program on the same course that Deion Sanders pursued. And my response to that, there's one Deion Sanders. And there are a whole bunch of curmudgeonly white guys still coaching college football. And to think that they're going to do what Deion Sanders has done and make the connection with young players that Deion Sanders is obviously able to make is absurd. Yeah, it's it's not it's not it's something absurd. duplicatable. I think in that sense, this is a one-off, much to the advantage of Deion Sanders and the University of Colorado. There will be other schools who try this, but they won't be able to pull it off. No, because they don't have a coach as charismatic. You know who else tried it? It's Deion Sanders. Nebraska didn't work out so well. By well, the way, Fox's it, actual yeah. big noon game <laughs> is UCLA at Utah. That's the game they're airing on Fox. A hell of a game, two ranked teams. Right. In fact, the Pac-12 is going to be on Fox all day. UCLA at Utah, followed then by uh, the Oregon State-Washington State game. Two also ranked two ranked teams. teams. And then the evening game will be USC at Arizona State. We'll and Arizona up. State is not ranked. They are not. But Caleb USC Williams is must-watch football, Williams. and that's what they'll be yeah. doing. But uh, a Pac-12 kind of day for Fox. Maybe that's the excuse there. But look. The Broncos have a game that is absolutely critical. They are trying to turn around a streak that is only matched by the Jets, and they're still getting trumped by the Buffs. That's not new. The Buffs have earned this spot. They're the biggest story in town. We'll tell you why next on My Life Sports. In my world, only you made me do for love what I would. Sandy Cuff and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Here we are. NFL season is a weekend. The Denver Broncos had a disappointing loss to their arch rivals in a season in which it's going to be hard to make the playoffs. And they're not the story. And they shouldn't be the story because the Colorado Buffaloes under Deion Sanders have reinvented themselves in a way that I don't think anyone has not only ever done, but anyone expected it to be successful. Not to this extent, not this quickly. And a win on the road over then-ranked TCU, 
a dominant victory that could have been even more dominant over a rival in Nebraska that did a fair amount of trash talking about how Deion Sanders' process wouldn't work. And now in a couple weeks, they'll get to do that against Oregon, but standing in their way of the Colorado State Rams. It's a one-sided game in virtually every way, but it hasn't stopped everybody from being there. It'll be broadcast on ESPN. It's an 8 p.m. start. 8 p.m. start. 10, 10 p.m. Eastern right. time. Broadcast and it will be on watched. ESPN. The will be exceptionally Fox good. News is leaving its big noon kickoff show in Boulder for a second week, even though the game they're airing is in Utah. That big noon kickoff show is their morning show in Boulder. The game is kicking off at 8. The now expectation, though not confirmed, is that the Pat McAfee show will be in Boulder, and Sports <laughs> Center itself will also be in Boulder, as well as First Take. ESPN is just basically relocating from Bristol for the day to be in Boulder because this is not the biggest show in town. This is the biggest show in the country, Sandy. With the possible exception of Aaron Rodgers' injury on Monday night, and I say possible exception, Mm -hmm. there is no doubt that this week and last week, the biggest sports story in the country the Colorado Buffaloes under Coach Prime starting 2-0. and And it's going to be 3-0, and barring something bizarre. Probably multiple bizarre things would have and to happen. And doing what the Broncos certainly didn't do and can't do at this point, and that's draw a rating commensurate, basically equal to Texas Alabama, which was a game played this past Saturday night That's between a great point. two ranked teams with considerable doubt as to the outcome. In fact, it turned into a game that Texas basically dominated and won 34-24. Playing at noon Eastern time, 10 Mountain time, Colorado drew against Nebraska in a game that was never in doubt, virtually as good a rating as Texas at Alabama. Who could have imagined that even a month ago, heck, two weeks ago, and there are at least three reasons why CU is a bigger story than the Broncos right now, and you may be able to add to this list. They are simply more exciting and more charismatic. That's number one. Unquestionably that. Number two, the impact is already astronomical. The Broncos, by the way, also hired a new coach with, in some ways, just about as big a challenge as Deion Sanders faced in Boulder. And with more credentials. over a 111 program, and this is a proven coach on the NFL level who's won a Super Bowl, won more than 150 games in 15 years out of the 16 he spent as a head coach of the New Orleans Saints. So far, no discernible impact. I know it's early. But almost regardless of what happens from here on out, the impact from Deion Sanders has already been felt. Deion Sanders talking this week about how they are getting a quote-unquote absurd number of recruiting calls. Not making those right. calls. They're getting calls <laughs> getting from them. kids right. who want to come and play for Colorado. 
Number three, and this is, I'll admit, somewhat subjective. My assessment is that as arrogant as Deion Sanders seems to some, he has backed it up. And I believe the CU team at this moment projects more confidence than arrogance. I think it's the other way around with the Denver Broncos, who have had six straight losing seasons and may be well on their way toward a seventh straight losing season and an eighth straight year out of the playoffs, whose arrogance far outstrips the actual confidence with which they play. You have, according to at least the odds in Las Vegas right now, the number four and number five most likely players to win the Heisman Trophy on the same team in Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders. No other school has that. No. No, uh, it's not even close. The two different players, they could not be more different, even though they, they connect, obviously. Sanders, uh, 90 passes without an interception. That's the longest current streak in the in the NCAA this season. Phenomenal statistical performances. Some of those to Hunter. Hunter is doing something we haven't seen in decades, excelling on both sides of the ball. And I, I think your point is really fair. The Buffs do not, to my mind, seem arrogant. They seem confident, and there's a difference. Now, could that change over time? Maybe, but it hasn't gotten there yet. And this game up in Boulder this weekend is not likely to provide a major challenge, but it will be interesting to watch, not only because the national media will, of course, spin up the great history of the rivalry, trying to make it seem a little bit, this version of it, 2023, seem more exciting than it is, but I don't even know if they have to push that anymore. People are just wanting to watch Coach Prime, Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, and the University of Colorado in one of the most admittedly, and I'm a little biased, but I, I we've talked to TV people who will tell you that, Boulder is a beautiful place to photograph for a football game. It ends up being a very compelling watch, even with that latest start, enough that two networks, one that doesn't even have the rights to the game, is going to be staying there. I can't recall that happening. And this is only their third game. Now, things could rapidly turn around. Obviously, they have Oregon and USC after that. This team could go from 3-0 and to 3-2 and in a heartbeat, and that wouldn't be anything of a shock. In fact, that would be the expectation, I would think, based on the rankings, based on everything that we know about these teams. But that doesn't seem to matter because now... Because they've started off so well with the 2-0 start and the 3-0 start, they have already validated Sanders' approach. All the things that people said couldn't work are already proven wrong. You have two Heisman caliber players. You are beating teams that at least a year ago, nobody would have thought you would have beaten. And all the idea, well, you can't put a team together that fast. Are you sure? Well, you can't put together, build all this sort of culture. Are you sure? You had Jimmy Horn talking about Nebraska buying into the fact that, you know, there's no red allowed in the Champions Center, asking what he what he hated about Nebraska and says, I don't really know, but I hate him. There is a culture being built, and it is as simple as Colorado versus the world. That's the culture that Deion Sanders is building. And there may be some chinks in that armor that develop over time. Understood. But right now, the two biggest new stars in major college football are Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter. New stars. 
the two biggest new stars in our city, professionally, collegiately, on any level, perhaps not only in this city, but in this state, perhaps not only in this state, but in this region, are the aforementioned Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter. Have you right been, have now, you person, new personally, stars. personally, I know that when, when people text me, when they, they ask me questions, your know, friends or family, whatever, all everyone asks me about is Shadur Sanders first and Travis Hunter second. It's the first two, first two athletes I get any questions about. Not Russell Wilson. No. Not Javante Williams. No. Not any of the Denver Broncos. It's those two guys in that order. And not that's, even Justin Simmons no. and Patrick Sertan. No. The two biggest stars currently playing in Denver sports and the contest would effectively involve just CU and the Broncos. Right. As For a couple more weeks right and then you have to involve then, Nathan then, McKinnon then, and then Nathan McKinnon and Miko Randon and soon enough Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Come along. Yes. I, <laughs> right. I understood. But the two most talked about athletic figures right now Absolutely. this week in this city and, it's blotting and there out the isn't sun. a close third are Sanders and Hunter, or Hunter and Sanders. Now, Sanders being the quarterback probably gets maybe a slight edge. He gets the most. But Hunter plays both ways. 274 snaps in two games that he's taken. One in extreme heat and humidity in Fort Worth, Texas. You were there. And the other in 85-degree heat, at least during the afternoon portion of the game this past Saturday, and he plays 274 snaps, 129 on offense, 136 on defense, and for good measure, nine plays on special teams in two games. 274 snaps he's taken in two games. It is one of the more incredible athletic feats that any of us have seen around here to play on both sides of the ball on offense more than 81.5% of the snaps and on defense almost 96% of the snaps. And he is a star both ways. He has already accumulated more receiving yards in two games for Colorado than he did last year, all year for Jackson State. He's only four receptions short, too. That's it. He's four receptions short and four touchdowns short. Yep. So he has some catching up yeah, to do. I kind of feel that those will come <laughs> because the uh, the average per catch has I gone think, up. I think he will get. On defense alone, the comparison. I think he will get the five there. catches on Saturday night that put him uh, past last year's total of 18. Yeah. He'll get to 19, maybe even 20 or more on Saturday night. I don't know that he'll score four touchdowns. So he still may I don't have know that he to won't, <laughs> to be but, totally uh, honest. It's not impossible, I yeah. suppose. But two games receiving, 11 catches for 119 yards at TCU, three catches for 73 yards here against Nebraska on Saturday. He is an electrifying player, and the quarterback probably operating against a better defense this past Saturday in Nebraska. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Was more dynamic than he had been against TCU. And against TCU, he threw for more than 500 yards. School record. It is it is remarkable. And both of these guys, in Sanders' case, and I, I wrote about this earlier in, in, in the fall on Miley Sports, that 
uh, Shadur Sanders was going to have the single season passing records in the bag. I felt like as long as he's healthy, that's going to happen. By mid season? <laughs> possibly. Quite frankly, possibly. <laughs> Remember, the single season passing record is 3,200 yards by Sifo Lufau back in 2014. He's almost Only a third two of the way guys there. have ever gotten to 3,000 in a year. He has 900 plus now. It is a, a remarkable run. And depending on what the bus do, they may, to the chagrin of the Rams, they may look at this game and say, this is our opportunity to formally launch our Heisman candidacies for Shadur and Hunter and have them just go bonkers on a Rams defense that simply doesn't have the speed to keep up with either of them. Or maybe Coach Prime calls the dogs off at halftime and make sure that everyone stays healthy and takes a break. I don't know. You know but what's amazing, though? Either Travis way, Hunter look. is not the leading receiver No, on the University of Colorado That's the amazing squad. part. Gosh, they're deep. It's Xavier Weaver. And Xavier he Weaver by almost receiver. 100 yards, mind you. Yeah, uh, it's It's been pretty remarkable that the depth and the speed is ridiculous. And here is Jimmy Horn under the radar. Oh, by the way. 19 catches to lead the team sitting, uh, you know, just playing in the underneath routes the wide Broncos open. Broncos don't have, at the moment, even one receiver as good as, as three. the three leading I Colorado agree. receivers. And I, I, I agree. And I am fully aware of what Cortland Sutton's accomplished. If you were to tell me you had a game to play this Sunday, you're going to tell me you wouldn't pick one of those three guys? I'd pick all three. That's why they're the biggest story. This is the biggest deal in Colorado sports. Enjoy it. And, of course, now it coincides with the Rocky Mountain Showdown. And, look, for the Rams, uh, I, I get it. You don't want to get absolutely clobbered. But the attention is still good because everybody involved in that broadcasting team is invested in making this game seem big which means they're going to make the Rams seem big. They're going to talk about how their upward trajectory has gone going. So it's a good sign for all of Colorado football. This is the rising tide that lifts all boats. Unfortunately, it just doesn't carry over to the NFL level, at least uh, not for the Denver Broncos. But this is why this is the story, and it's been a long time since we can say that about the University of Colorado. We will take a look at the Denver Broncos, who I think, for better or for worse, will have one of their receivers back. For game two, I'll tell you next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Just kind of smooth out the uh, the ins and outs from Danny Bailey there on a uh, you know, it's Wednesday, hump day. Your weekend's coming up. Relax, take it easy. You're through the hard part. I'm sure nothing important is going to happen at your job on Thursday and Friday. Don't worry about it. You just cruise. You're good. It's fine. <laughs> For the Denver Broncos, um, important things are happening at their job. Because they have to win a game. They cannot lose to the Washington Commanders visiting and start your season 0-2 with two losses at home against two teams you're supposed to beat. We've talked about it a bit. We've talked about it over the course of the summer. The Broncos are short on playmakers. 
and Greg Dulcich now with a pulled hamstring is going to miss some time. Jerry Judy uh, was limited to practice today, but Sean Payton after practice pointed out that Judy was getting ready prior to the Raiders game and really wanted to play. I told you all on Monday after the Broncos lost that because the Broncos lost, Jerry Judy's going to be playing on Sunday. Nothing I've seen has changed my mind. Now you run into a spot, and this is where you talked about, you talked about the last segment, the team that's going on a string of losing seasons that's unprecedented as an NFL franchise, looking at its eighth straight year without the playoffs. Now you start making decisions for your football team that are based out of desperation. Exactly than, the word I was going to use. Yeah, rather than investing if they in longer play term Judy on Sunday, they'll play him. It is more of an act of desperation than Sean Payton choosing to open the game Sunday against the Raiders with an onside kick, which many have referred to since, although we both disagree as an act of desperation. Even if you accept that to an extent, it would be a far greater act of desperation to play Jerry Judy if he is not as close to 100% healthy as a player can be. Yeah. In week two against the Washington Commanders. Behind Sam Howell. Behind no Sam Howell, quarterback. Sam Howell, by the way, sacked more than any other quarterback in the first week of the season, save for Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones got sacked seven times by Dallas. Sam Howell got sacked six times by Arizona. Now, I know Jones got sacked more, but he got sacked by Micah Parsons and company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Name the prime Arizona Cardinal pass rushers and win valuable prizes. We saw Arizona in the preseason. No great shakes. And they're not only not very good defensively, they have no depth defensively. How's, how's, how's the best way to say it? Arizona is not out and out tanking, but if they ended up with a record that looked like they were tanking, I don't think they'd mind. <laughs> That's kind of where they're at. And, yeah, you know, Dennis Gardeck, who, by the way, did get a sack. In the preseason game against the Broncos. He did. He did. He did. Beat uh, Big Arab Bulls pretty handily. He had two. But <laughs> yes. Dennis uh, Gardeck, Jonathan Ledbetter, uh, Victor Demukaje, Lecky Fotu, and Carlos Watkins all had sacks. Well, um, Washington struggled to win that game. Now, I happen to think Washington has a pretty good defense, and maybe that's part of the consideration with Judy, that unlike the Raiders, who last year were one of the worst defensive teams in the league, Washington, particularly considering how bad its offense was, actually has a pretty good defensive team all the way around. And they have people who can rush the passer, unlike the Broncos. Um, The name of the game in passing now in the National Football League is yards after the catch. Absolutely. It isn't 40 air yards or 20 or more air yards bombs away that's not the way you create big plays in the nfl and there's a good piece on espn today that we'll delve into later this week uh at least three reasons you've identified one over the last year rather consistently 
more too high looks. Mm-hmm. And uh, man slash match coverages, combination of man to man and zone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of disguise. And Vic Fangio kind of pioneered that with yeah. the 49ers even before he got to the Bears, right? That's Vic Fangio's deal. Tyreek Hill effect, the master of yards after the catch. They aren't throwing bombs 40, 50 yards in the air to Tyreek Hill. Every no, once they're in a while, throwing but, him the ball but you're throwing in him on slants. space. Yeah. A la Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. Now, Tyreek Hill is faster than Jerry Rice, but Jerry Rice never got caught from oh, behind. Yeah, I didn't see it very often. I don't recall seeing it. And nobody will ever catch Tyreek Hill from behind either. <laughs> yeah. All right. In, ni- in, in 2022, more than 50% of the yards generated throwing the football came through yards after the catch. That's the Tyreek Hill effect. And if you want to expand it, it's the Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. slash Debo Samuel Correct. effect. Because for five straight years... The San Francisco 49ers under Kyle Shanahan have been the number one team in the league in yards after the catch on average. Last year, 6.6 they averaged yards after the catch. Just think about that. And think about how the Denver Bronco receivers, particularly the tight ends, go down like a sack of potatoes the minute they catch the ball and are touched by an opposing defender. That's why the Broncos have no deep game, and that's that's where speed helps. Speed, as in straight-ahead speed, throw the ball 50 yards in the air and have your guy run under it. No, that's not the passing game that we're talking about. We're talking about speed when you make a catch in stride, the pass is thrown on target, and... You make your big plays off yards. The Broncos had one weapon at any point last year who did that. It was in the final six games of the year, yeah, and, and it was Jerry Judy. Judy. Yeah, and that's right. that's where his strength happens yeah. to lie. Yeah. Good in and out of his breaks, finds that opportunity, and, get open, after the catch. and then gets him yeah. in space and let him get creative after the catch. That's why the Broncos so desperately need him. He is their best weapon. The problem, Sandy, though, is that think about this, and we've talked about it. The mistake the Broncos have made thus far with Russell Wilson is they grabbed a quarterback, and I've talked about this, whose greatest success in his career, even prior to Denver, is as a deep sideline route thrower. For a a couple years in his career, you, you could make the argument he was as good as anyone in the league and maybe the best deep thrower in the league. The problem is that pass is no longer available with any regularity in the NFL. The Broncos brought Russell Wilson in at the wrong time because Russell Wilson's style of play has been compensated for around the league. Patrick Mahomes was talking about this phenomenon before the Super Bowl against Tampa, before they lost the game. When he still had Tyreek Hill, Mm -hmm. he was talking about, I can't throw the ball deep anymore. They're taking that away, so I'm throwing short. He was talking about that when he had Tyreek Hill. Right. And if you watch the game the other day, Tua was great, 
But he wasn't necessarily throwing the ball 40, no. 50 yards. Give, give Mike McDaniel credit. He understands Mike how that McDaniel works. Mike McDaniel understands coming from the Kyle Shanahan coaching And, and he's going to happily use that. And, and it is, to a certain extent, accepting what the defense will give you. Now, on the bright side, I thought that Russell Wilson actually did that in their loss on Sunday. Part of the problem is the Broncos don't have anybody who can do anything after the catch, exactly and that includes right. Cortland Sutton. That includes Cortland They have Sutton. two players who might be able to. Two. You identified both of them because they're rookies. Receiver Marvin Mims and running back Julio McLaughlin. Yeah. Uh, Javante Williams is a tremendously talented player. He's not the guy you get in space and oh, watch no. him do things. No. Samaje oh. Pirine, oddly, might be the next best option, yeah. and he's hit and miss. But this team has to find a way to get Mims and McLaughlin in there to make plays. If you're going to ask Russell Wilson to throw the passes that he threw and completed a very high percentage of them, then you have to also give them weapons that can do something with it after he completes it, and they don't have it. And that's why they're going to rush Jerry Judy back on Sunday. Well, uh, you may be right. Uh, I think uh, it's a huge risk, uh, one that is in my view, not worth taking. It could backfire spectacularly. Wow, it tells you something about where the Broncos still are. And when we say, and we've said this consistently for months, that the mere fact they change coaches, even if you accept that Sean Payton is a proven winner and Nathaniel Hackett, at least as a head coach, seems to be a proven loser, even if you accept that, the mere fact that they change coaches, even provide an upgrade, is not enough to overcome in and of itself six years of terrible football and seven years of football played without a single playoff game in which the Broncos have participated in, in which the Broncos have participated in the last seven years. Not one. And the mere fact that they change coaches isn't going to change that. And the fact that the Broncos have no explosiveness, either on offense or defense, they have no pass rush. Oh, their coverages aren't well disguised in part because they have no pass rush. There's no, they have no means of putting pressure on the opposing quarterback as things stand now. And as usual with uh, the narrative around the Broncos, especially here locally, it's always wait till next week. Things will be better. And things will be better next week because Sam Howell got sacked six times by the Arizona Cardinals. I'll tell you what, next week gets here pretty quick. And uh, it's coming up real fast. All all (laughs) I know is, in spite of what Sean Payton said the other day, which just wasn't true, that, well... The whole design behind a Josh McDaniels offense is get rid of the ball quick, right? And Randy Gregory said after the game, boy, I didn't have many one-on-one pass rush opportunities because he was getting the ball out so quickly. From snap to throw, the Denver Broncos averaged 2.85 seconds on Sunday. The Las Vegas Raiders averaged 2.85 seconds. That is simply balderdash. And until proven otherwise, Sean Payton is just another spinmeister 
in a series of spinmeister head coaches of the Denver Broncos. And by the way, 2.85 seconds from snap to throw is right in the middle of the league. Mm-hmm. So it isn't like it wasn't all that slow. You it's, you it's, listen it's to Sean it's Payton average. and others. You'd think that the Raiders were getting rid of the ball inside of two seconds from snap to throw. It was 2.85. Just the same. It, it, it took Garoppolo as long to get rid of the ball as it took Russell Wilson to get rid of the ball the other day. And all people could say after the game, well, wow, Russell Wilson really getting rid of the ball fast. Yeah. And it looked and, like Garoppolo could camp. And he was. But and it, 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 Garoppolo sat back there. They pointed to like three plays that hurt them where Garoppolo got rid of the ball in under 2.85 seconds. But the average for the game was 2.85 seconds. He could have sat back there in a rocking chair for most of the afternoon. And the only time he got dirty was when he slid after getting the necessary yards for the first down on third and seven in the final two minutes of the game, which basically cinched the game for the Raiders. And he was quote-unquote tackled by Josie Jewell, who was the only man in the stadium who apparently thought that Jimmy Garoppolo had already thrown the ball, presumably in about 2.85 seconds, because even blitzing six people, the Broncos had no pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo on third and seven with two minutes to go in a game. We'll talk more about that, of course, as well, but instead we'll turn our attention to a team that actually does have speed, and they start their rookie camp tomorrow. That would be the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Altitude Television's Katie Goss joins us tomorrow to set the scene. We'll talk to her next on My Life Sports.